We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Up Show. We are back. This is episode 24 of the Spurs Up Show. Uh, before we get started, first, if you do want to follow the show, be sure to check us out on iTunes at the Spurs Up Show. Be sure to go there, rate, and subscribe. Tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like about the show. We obviously appreciate all the feedback there. Also, be sure to follow us on our Twitter account, at Armchair Car. That's going to be at Armchair S-C-A-R. Check us out on our Instagram account as well, at Armchair S Carolina. And also, this is a podcast brought to you by the Armchair All-Americans. ArmchairAllAmericans.com, localizing your sports coverage content. Be sure to check us out on ArmchairAllAmericans.com for, of course, the podcast and all of your South Carolina Gamecocks late breaking news uh, coverage there as well. So, like we said, we're going to be actually doing things a little bit different. We are back for episode 24. I'm Chris Phillips, joined as always with my colleague, Tyler Clark. We actually missed last week. We do apologize to all of our listeners for that, some scheduling conflicts, if you will. Um, We're going to be switching things up, though, going forward. Um, We're actually going to be combining our two shows. We've been doing two shows at this point in the season, doing a reaction recap show, if you will, for the previous week, and then a preview show for the game coming up that next week and later in the week. We're actually going to combine those two, uh, give a little more raw reactions and raw takes from uh, myself and Tyler. So we're going to try it out, see how it goes, just like South Carolina. We're we're trying to get better as the season goes along. So uh, jumping right into that, Tyler, before we go on anything, how was everything? Uh, how, how was your week? I know you had exams last week, but and you had a wedding over the weekend. How's uh, how's your week been? Man, it's it's cool to calm down. I had a uh, weekend was pretty crazy. So uh, I didn't get to see what much of the game, but I went back and looked through all the stuff and uh, it's like I didn't miss it. Yeah, I know the uh, before we get into the Gamecock game as well. I know you, the Red Sox got knocked out today, so I was uh, we, I was feel, I was hurting for you a little bit. I didn't even get to watch uh, the the second half of it when Chris Sale came in. Uh, we had baseball practice and we had a scrimmage today, so I didn't even get to see that. So I've been busy. <laughs> well, we're glad you could be on the show today, of course. But uh, jumping right into it, South Carolina Gamecocks came home Saturday afternoon for a four o'clock game. With the Arkansas Razorbacks and came away with a huge W. Gamecocks won 48 to 22 in a game where they led 17 to 10 at halftime, exploded in the third quarter with two defensive touchdowns, added another one in the fourth quarter. Um, so, Tyler, I'll jump straight to you. Obviously, I know you didn't get to watch a ton of the game, but want to know your sort of your raw reaction from the game, from what, from the little bit that you did see and kind of going back over the, uh, over the notes and the stats. 
you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it looked like the atmosphere was absolutely incredible. You know, after the, the Hayden Hurst touchdown, and I'm assuming on all the defensive scores, it, it was probably nuts in there. But this is one of those games, you know, I don't think Arkansas is very good at all, but it's one of those games where everything goes right and, and your momentum kind of shifts. We talked about after the A&M game how much momentum, you know, you've lost on the season because you've lost two games that you completely, you know, lost yourself instead of getting beat. I think it's one of those games where you went out, you played a solid on both sides of the ball, a complete game, uh, all the way down to the, Joseph Charlton's one-yard line punt, which I saw for the first time today. And it was absolutely incredible. That was with like still the still the best call in the preseason, Joseph Charlton, right there. Yep, yep. So (laughs) down to the one, you know, they played a complete game all the way through, which I thought was awesome. We haven't seen that uh, in quite a while. Uh, I think it's just one of those games where you can turn around your season. Not that four and two is so bad, but I just mean, you know, a standpoint of going into a game knowing what what you can do instead of just being mediocre. Yeah, I agree with you, and I'll go back to your initial point. I was at the game Saturday. It was a muggy, muggy hot day in Columbia on Saturday afternoon. But, yeah, I was uh, I was a little – I'm not sure if concerns the right word. I was interested to see how the crowd – what the crowd would be like on Saturday, what the turnout would be after. You know, obviously South Carolina had, hadn't been playing well, um, you know, lost a really tough game in College Station the week before. But I was pretty impressed with the crowd show. I mean, the, the stadium was full besides – uh, the east side corners, the upper deck, which I think is kind of a normal thing, you know, especially with the weather being it was, and it wasn't like some primetime game. But, yeah, it was a great crowd. I thought it was a really great atmosphere. The stadium was absolutely electric. You're right when Hayden Hurst called his touchdown, but especially on the defensive touchdowns, the place was going nuts. Um, I, I thought it was a really great environment. You know, Coach Muschamp said that in his postgame presser as well. Thank the fans for coming out. I was really impressed with it. It, it was it was loud. It was, you know, it was rocking. So, a um, whole lot of fun. But, yeah. Um, jumping right into it, you know, I, I think one of the things I was really impressed with just starting off with the offense, um, South Carolina obviously came into the game Saturday, three offensive linemen out, you know, three of their bigger guys. Um, but South Carolina, I, I thought was really able, you know, they were able to establish a running game, uh, had almost 160 yards rushing average over four yards of carry. Um, you know, it was a couple different guys doing, I know Rico Dowdle actually finally came out, had a good game, 11 carries, 61 yards for him. Um, Tyson had eight for 35. Even Mondinson got on the action late, eight for 25. Turner, five for 20. So, you know, really just spreading the ball around. But, I mean, the offensive line was able to make plays and open some holes. And guys like um, Daly, Sidarius Hutcherson just played so, so much better than they did at Texas A&M. I know Coach Muschamp really challenged those guys coming in the week. But just just had a – you know, heck of a better game they did the week before. Obviously, coming back home really helped. But I, I was really impressed with, you know, the limited guys that South Carolina had in the offensive line. I was really impressed at the uh, the success they had on the ground. Yeah, I think we were completely right about uh, Rico Dowdle talking about, uh, you know, why he hasn't played so well the last couple of weeks. And it looked like it was just that injury. It looked like he recovered from it. You know, all of his runs, he, it looked like, you know, that Rico Dowdle we saw last year where, he just runs through every single arm tackle possible. And uh, if he makes one cut, then he's gone. Uh, hopefully, you know, he's completely healthy now. And uh, those, the two-headed monster that we thought would going into the season would be there, hopefully, you know, the last half of the season, they can get something going, especially this weekend. 
Yeah, I, I definitely thought that, you know, improved blocking had something to do with it. But he had a different burst Saturday that we exactly. definitely hadn't seen in a couple of weeks. And I, I think you're right. I think the injury definitely had something to do with that because that, he, he looked like a different guy. And obviously Tyson Williams just continued to impress. I like the way they used A.J. Turner Saturday. He got a huge first down. I'm not sure if you saw the highlight. I did, where I did see that one. That was awesome. Seven yards and drag the guy for the next three to get the first down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I like the way they used him. Um, the thing, Tyler, that I was really impressed with, and the game obviously got off to a very, very auspicious start. I think it's kind of mass <laughs> just because of the fact that South Carolina pulled away and won so big. But South Carolina comes out, you know, driving the ball. It, it, it was eerily similar to how Louisiana Tech started. South Carolina's driving. They get down. They miss a field goal again. Sucks the air out of the stadium. South Carolina does get a turnover, however. Um uh, on a fumble recovery, which really a ball that Jamias Williams, if he didn't overrun it, he's taking that to the house. Exactly. Uh, but anyways, a fumble recovery nonetheless. South Carolina has to settle for a field goal again. You're thinking, oh, my gosh, here we go again. We can't score in the red zone. You know, um, then again, South Carolina holds Arkansas the field goal. But I was really impressed overall taking the game, you know, as a whole – I think I thought Kurt Roper actually finally showed us something, a little bit of a wrinkle in the offense. Um, you know, there are a lot more speed sweeps. You had one with Hayden Hurst. You had one later in the game with Brian Edwards. We finally saw some play action on third and short, second and short. And then, you know, a couple of times where uh, South Carolina lined up, you know, just times I can, can, can recall, Jake Bentley under center. You had three tight ends bunched, a running back in the backfield. Jake Ventley, you know, faked the hard play action rollout, had two tight ends going in Jacob August and Hayden Hurst. One, I remember, he hits Jacob, Jacob August for a first down. Um, they really used the tight ends. I was I was really impressed, honestly, with the play calling. I thought it was one of Kurt Roper's better games. I just hope and pray that he'll stick to it because I, I I was impressed. I really was after, you know, caught so much. so much. Like, and I was being critical when I was in the stadium. I was thinking, like, you can't run that play. You can't run that play. It looks the same as this one. Run the same that one. But – I think improved blocking helped as well, but I really thought I saw a wrinkle. And the thing that really stuck to me on offense, that kind of – it kind of showed me what I needed to see from South Carolina because South Carolina got up 31 to – I guess it was 10 at the time. They had the two offensive touchdowns – or defensive touchdowns, excuse me. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, okay, here we go. Here comes the conservative Kurt Rover play calling. Here comes the conservative stuff we don't want to see. And the, the, the play call of the game to me – just personally was second and goal. We're thir- up 34 to 10. Second and goal, it, you know, you have the same exact bunch formation. Maybe they, they flip-flop the sides. Jake Bentley drops or uh, takes a snap under center. Play actions, Tyson Williams, roll, you know, rolls out. Shield, shield off his man, rolls out. Bentley dumps it off to Tyson for the touchdown. I thought it was a beautifully designed play, a great play call, and I was just like sitting in the stands like just – it was so, so nice to see a wrinkle, just a wrinkle in the offense, you know, just to see that – that play be called and see it work effectively. It was just like, why, where was that in the first six games of the year? Um, but overall, I thought the offense played well. I think Ortre Smith continues to impress. Brian Edwards with another just great catch um, for the touchdown. Yeah, so uh, I definitely think those guys continue to impress. I didn't think Jake Bentley had his best day, but, I mean, the thing, you know, he was, he was definitely high on some throws, but the best thing about it, he took care of the football through three touchdowns and no picks. So, um, overall, you know, Tyler, I, I was – I give Kurt Roper a passing grade for this week, at least. Absolutely. You know, the thing that stood out to me the most, you know, looking back over the stats, seven different people uh, carried the ball, you know, for the Gamecocks this game. 
and nine different receivers caught a pass. No one had over three catches. You know, it's one of those things where you're, you're utilizing your weapons like we've been talking about all season. You're utilizing those weapons, and you can balance your offense all the way out. You know, 159 rushing yards and 190, or 199 yards uh, receiving. You know, that's almost perfectly balanced in, in the SEC. That's what you have to do week to week to have any type of success. Yeah, I would 100% give Kurt a passing grade. I'll give him a, a B plus. Yeah, and the thing about it, I heard somebody talking today kind of complaining about the overall offensive numbers. I was like, well, the defense kept the offense off the field for about 10 minutes in the third <laughs> quarter. So I think those numbers would have been a lot better. You know, there was one point South Carolina ran the, uh, you know, the second, the fumble back for the touchdown. I was like, God, they're going back out there again, aren't they? It's like, good Lord. The defense just stay on the field all quarter, but um, definitely not going to complain. And you know, I'd rather go- the offense be out there twenty four seven than the defense. <laughs> no, I agree with you. But moving to the defense, a huge day, uh, by far the best defensive performance under Will Muschamp um, since he came to South Carolina. Three defensive touchdowns, as you mentioned earlier, almost at a fourth. You had the Sky Moore interception return, the T.J. Brunson scoop and score on the fumble, and the. Keyson Nixon picks six late in the game to put the ball game away, uh, even further away, I guess you could say. Tyler, I, it was it was fun to be in the stadium and watch those guys kind of pin their pin those ear, their their ears back. I mean, it was a, it was a swagger we haven't seen since I think 2013, the days of Clowney and Devin Taylor and Swearinger and those guys. You could really see those guys playing with with confidence, with fire. I mean, like I said, you know, on the on the uh, turnovers, but guys like Stephen Montag laying the wood on a wide receiver. Uh, Rashad Fenton making a big tackle and kind of him and Scott Moore looking up at the scoreboard and kind of jawing with each other. Uh, and there was one, I forget what beat reporter it was, but there was one beat reporter that said he saw a former Arkansas tight end on the sideline. I guess he was on the sideline covering, obviously. But the, uh, the guy told him that the South Carolina defensive front, quote, had grins on their faces in the third quarter. So <laughs> it was just fun to see those guys step up, you know, play with some swagger, play with some confidence. And, and I really think South Carolina's defense – might be turning a corner in front of our very eyes. A hundred percent. First of all, did you see Snoop Dogg's tweet uh, about Keyshawn Nixon? I did. I uh, did, yeah. so cool. Uh, I would love to see him it, come to a game. Yeah, exactly. Someone underneath it replied, they're like, could you imagine if Snoop Dogg started the Gamecocks chant? And oh I was like, my oh gosh, my wow. goodness. Against Clemson? <laughs> just, all right, I'll, I'll stop there. But yeah, it's one of those things. You know, I was watching it on my phone during the wedding. And I, and I just keep seeing touchdown after touchdown. I was like, how is this happening? And I see three defensive touchdowns. I think one got, you know, called back. I don't know if that was the same drive as another one of the touchdowns. Yeah, so it was – uh, yeah, it was the right before the T.J. Brunson fumble recovery. Uh, there was another – right, it was two plays before it actually. It was another play where it looked like he fumbled. It was very, very close. Um, and Stephen Montak picked it up and ran it all the way back, and they took a look at it. Looked like his knee just touched down before he fumbled it, but literally two plays later they stripped it out again. So it was crazy. Wow. How about the uh, the play by Steven Montag? I didn't even mention it. That is an absolute insane play because you know, first glance it looks like he nails him straight in the head, and you're about to have a targeting. He's gone. They have first down deep in South Carolina territory. Then you watch it again, and you're like, that might be one of the best plays from our defense all season. And then, that was a yeah, that was a big league hit for sure. Yeah, and then they review the the hit on the quarterback, which is BS. And then Carolina gets the ball, and it's a perfect, absolutely perfect pass to Hayden Hurst. You know, you make big plays like that, and you follow follow them up with big plays. I thought that was that was huge. Uh, yeah, and scoring three times that's that's just insane. That'll probably never happen again. But you know, it, 
it's just, you know, the confidence that this defense is going to keep having going into, you know, especially going into a tough environment that like they have this weekend. It, it's absolutely huge. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And that, uh, that Montac hit and when he jarred the ball loose, people don't realize, well, that was on a third and six. Exactly. Um, and it, it's still, that, that was when the game was still hanging in the balance. And the guy was wide out. open for Dan. Right. Yeah. And it was kind of one of those things where if he catches and converts, it's like, oh, here we go. You exactly. Know, I think that, that third completely and 16 changed conversion. The yeah, I think it was a momentum shifter for sure. I mean, it's a huge play, like you said. Literally, the the next possession, the first play, you hit Hayden Hurst on the field touchdown, boom, changes That's the whole. Probably the minute. best pass, by the way, I've ever seen Jake Bentley make. It that was a heck of a throw, perfectly over the linebacker's hands, and it looked like he just lollygagged it, but he put it right. It was it was funny though, because where I was sitting when he threw that, I was like, oh my god, it's picked. Like yeah. I wasn't sure he threw it. At, you know, he got enough on it, but he he just did. I mean, it, it was, was right over the linebacker's hands. Yeah, it was it was. Uh, yeah, he threw it in a window. For I think sure. he made sure he didn't overthrow it. I'm hoping that's what he did. Yeah, because it was, no, yeah, it's I think awesome. Because so. he would have overthrown that in several other games this year. It was a beautiful play, um, for sure. And they showed the play design. I actually watched that uh, kind of a replay today, and it, I mean, it's just a beautiful play design. You had, you know, Hayden run the post, and I mean, like you said, it was a perfect throw. So one of the guys on the defense that maybe didn't. Yeah, well, he actually did catch some love today. He got SEC Defensive Lineman of the Week, DJ Wanham. He was a beast on Saturday all over the field. Um, you know, didn't uh, – he had one of the fumble recoveries, I believe. But, man, he was a beast Saturday afternoon. Uh, I'll look up his stats here in a second. But, Tyler, wasn't sure if I you got, got to – ch- Yeah, you got to check out Wanham. Four tackles, tackle for loss, um, two passes defended in a hurry, and a fumble recovery. <laughs> Right, yeah. I mean, he 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 was causing havoc all day. I mean, every play was like, man, DJ Wanham playing out of his mind today, and it, that was just really great to see because he's one of those guys. Obviously, we're you know South Carolina is depending on, and man, he had a great day. Dante Sawyer was another guy. He's he's continued to have an impressive season. That's exactly who I was about to mention. Uh, yeah, you know, he was just in the backfield on so many plays. Like obviously, like if I say this, you probably won't believe me. No one had more than four tackles on the defense. No one had. More oh, I saw four. that. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so it's a complete team effort. But you know. Having Dante Sawyer just get in the backfield, it seems like every passing play he gets into the backfield. Uh, he made that step we really hoped he'd make, you know, going into the season. And, you know, the fresh faces like T.J. Brunson, D.J. Wanham, you know, that, that weren't around all that much last year. They've, they've just come to fruition, and it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, since 2014, the start of 14, and South Carolina's defense has been underwhelming to say the least. You know, we both watched a lot of quarterbacks play with a lot of confidence against South Carolina and step into throws and just look confident, even guys that weren't, you know, that great of players. Saturday was the first time in a long time where I was on, you know, watching the game on the field, and I thought the other team's quarterback, he looked rattled. I mean, he looked very, I don't want to say scared, but he, he looked very nervous. Running, he was running for his life all day long, which obviously forced some of those turnovers. But that it was just such a refreshing. Uh, Austin Allen's no scrub, by the way, and he yeah, he's not a bad player, but he he was running for his life, and he by the third quarter, fourth quarter, he looked shook. There's no question about that. I mean, they were in his face all day long. I mean, even the throws he got away, um, he had to make under duress. So it was really the best probably defensive performance we've seen since 2013. And, you know, you can only imagine what this this defense, who's still pretty young, by the way, how they're going to continue to improve. Uh, the one guy I want to mention, because, you know, somebody who has been catching a little bit more love of late, but we had talked about a couple of times on some previous shows, is Rashad Fenton continues My to man. 
be impressive. And he's finally kind of getting some credit on uh, Twitter from uh, Brad Crawford, who's the 247 sports reporter for South Carolina. Uh, he's actually doing a thing where he's tracking by each game Fenton's stats against his yeah. man. I don't, I don't think he's given up more than like four or five catches for like 30 yards. In I a think game. 42 yards was the most he's given up to an opposing receiver. Right. Absolutely yeah, he had, ridiculous. Yeah, he had another great day Saturday. Um, had Fenton the huge, Island. Had the, yeah, Fenton Island. Had the huge tackle um, where he, like I said, he, he was uh, celebrating with Sky Moore and just a lot of swagger from Rashad Fenton. You can see a lot of confidence. He, he's just becoming a lockdown corner. I mean, it's you, you don't really ever – you know, his stats aren't going to blow you away because nobody's throwing at him. So, um, it's definitely great to see. So, um, you know, just moving into some key takeaways from the game, Tyler, definitely the one I want to touch on first is it might be a little bit over and over reaction. I don't really care, though. I, I think one of my key takeaways from the game Saturday, and I thought this while I was in the stadium, I think Saturday this defense showed they're ready to take over games. I mean, they, the the offense has been struggling. Obviously, you know South Carolina goes up seventeen to ten, but still, like you, you kind of felt like this team needed a boost. And this defense is getting to the point where they're they're playing with even more confidence. You know, they have the approach of we want to force teams to go one and out. We want to get the football. And I think it's really getting to the point where this defense is improving so much to where the fact, like I said, if they need to take over a football game and make a play and force a turnover they're getting to the point where they can do it and kind of do it at will. So uh, it's definitely fun to watch and, you know, really exciting to watch, you know, Will Muschamp's style and his energy uh, really take over in the defense. Yeah, I don't know if you saw – you talked about Brad Crawford. Did you see his tweet about, you know, the South Carolina defense uh, forcing turnovers compared to Nick Saban? Oh, I did. I, Absolutely was, an overreaction and ha- has no bearing whatsoever on South Carolina football. But it's pretty funny. Uh, for I think forty-two turnovers and Will Muschamp's first was it seventeen games, right? I guess it'd be nineteen games. You know, it's just crazy. It doesn't seem like that, but they really do force a ton a ton of turnovers. Uh, most of them are you know just strip balls going into you know plays that are almost over, and you know that extra guy just coming in and piling it off. You know, I think that's awesome. But yeah, coming out of that game, it's just a hundred percent. One of those games, you know, we talked about last week. I guess we didn't have a show, but we talked about it personally. You know, this is a game they have to win. There's no if ands, or buts. If you lose this one, your season, it, it looks like a complete train wreck. So it's one of those games where they took care of business. They never looked back. You know, they, they didn't let Arkansas back into the game. They just stepped on their throats repeatedly. Absolutely. Yeah, my second takeaway, take away, uh, piggybacking off that, uh, Kurt Roper finds a wrinkle. Like I said, it was really nice just to see uh, this offense kind of get back going again and see some creativity. And this was a huge game for Kurt Roper. I mean, we we talked about a little bit after Texas A&M, you know, how big of a week this was. And obviously, you know, Kurt Roper, he's, he's no fool. He knows people are questioning him. He knows, you know, Will Muschamp's obviously having to take questions about him. And I think that, you know, it may have had something to do as well with Will Muschamp sitting down with Kurt Roper because, you know, you could obviously hear the displeasure in Will Muschamp's voice after the Texas A&M game. And, you know, we had heard rumblings from different South Carolina uh, insiders that there were changes being made on the offensive side. And, you know, I, I don't think they were anything drastic scheme changes, but the team, it just, it was a little bit more creative. Arkansas wasn't sitting on one play. They didn't know exactly what was coming. Uh, it, it was just so refreshing to see. Like I said, the, the thing that Stood out to me the most. The play of the game to me to show that wrinkle was that play action on the goal line on second and goal. I just don't feel like South Carolina would have done that in the, in the first five games. I really don't. And it was just so nice and refreshing to see that, to keep 
you know, while Arkansas, you know, they don't have the greatest defense, to keep an SEC defense off balance was, was refreshing. Yeah, 100%. Uh, another takeaway, <laughs> the, the running game, you know, having those three guys, you know, A.J. Turner, we said, obviously didn't have the best game. He didn't have many touches. But that just to have that one play, you know, where he runs a little curl route, it's a check down, and he turns it in a check down into a first down. You know, just the effort plays that they made, you know, to keep a game going. I thought it was awesome to come back with 100 and was 159 yards, I think we said. Right. Yeah. You know, just to have that uh, against an SEC defense, it's just one of those things where we didn't think that was possible last week. If you told me we ran for 160 yards after we ran for 29, I probably would have laughed at you. So, you know, it's just the improvement we've seen from, from week to week, especially after a loss. Yeah, I completely agree with you. If you had told me we ran for 160 yards, I I probably had the same reaction. Um and if you'd have told me that, you know, Rico Dowdle would have run for, what, 60 or whatever he ran for, I'd probably have been like, I, I don't know about that. But, yeah, it, I mean, it was – in all seriousness, it was great to see. I mean, the offensive line had a real push. Um, obviously, you know, South Carolina – South Carolina has capable running backs where they don't need these gaping holes to get five, six, seven yards. You just need to give them a crease. I mean, you saw that last year with Rico Dowdle and again on Saturday. He's the kind of guy – and Tyson Williams with his shiftiness – those are the kind of guys, man, they just need a little bit of a crease. They just need average line play, and they're going to give you a solid game on the ground. So that was definitely great to see, and that's something you surely, surely hope they carry into uh, this week and for the rest of the season. Uh, and then my final takeaway was just, you know, it's a young team that's still improving, and they're improving every single week. That's all you can really ask. I mean, there's so many youngsters still making plays. It's funny. You know, at this point in the season, you know, Will Muschamp likes to say at this point in the season, you know, you're not really a freshman anymore. You have experience, but – just, just, just to watch guys like Ortre Smith, freshman, Brian Edwards, sophomore, Tyson Williams, what is he, sophomore, uh, Rico Dowdle, sophomore, Jake Bentley, sophomore. You, you know, to watch those guys, it, it's it's a lot of fun to see those guys getting better. And then on the defensive side, you know, even guys that maybe statistically didn't kill it, but Aaron Sterling, Brad Johnson, you know, Sherrod Green, um, you know, even Keyson Nixon, Caleb Chalmers got in the game late. Um, see those guys making plays. I mean, that, South Carolina – you know, at this point last year was two and four. This year they're four and two. With the you know, it, then there's a solid, solid argument. I would argue as well that South Carolina could be and maybe should be at least five and one or six and zero oh this year, if not due to some, you know, questionable decisions and you know, obviously lack of execution. But it, it's definitely just it's nice to see this team. What Will Muschamp is building. You know, you had guys like Channing Tindall at the game Saturday. Uh, you had the uh, the safety that committed to Florida State, Israel. Nukamaru, or however you say his last name. <laughs> Anyways, you had some big visits. I think you had some recruits that were really, really impressed, especially Tyndall, who said that you know he was he was blown away. Um, so just stuff like that to see Muschamp building, to see see what's going on. Um, you know, it, it was really it was really uh, really nice to see. And I, I will say, as a fan being there, that was the most fun I've had at a South Carolina game in Williams Bryce in a long, long time. Because I told my my buddy after the game said, man, it's been a while since South Carolina kicked somebody's ass like that, yeah. <laughs> especially in Williams-Brice. So uh, it was a whole lot of fun. But we're going to give out some game balls now, our Armchair Americans game balls. Uh, I'll start, Tyler, on offense. And Edwards, just because the catch he made was, you know, I first off, I will say, <clears throat> right before halftime, I thought it was a huge momentum swing. I loved the play call, though, giving your guy Brian Edwards a chance to go up and make a play. They tried it a couple times, didn't hit it, but you know what? They stuck to it, finally hit it with Brian Edwards. He makes a great catch. He, he's going to be a guy that's going to be playing 
football for a long time. So it, it was definitely nice to see him see him get one. And then on defense, I mentioned him early, earlier, hard to argue against him, DJ Wanham. I mean, the guy was in the backfield all, all game, uh, SEC defensive lineman of the week. He's a guy that I just feel like continues to improve and is a guy that is going to be a beast in this league. So I'll give the uh, defensive game ball to DJ Wanham. Um, on offense, um, you know, I have to go with Hayden Hurst because it seems like every time the Gamecocks need a big play, you know, he's somewhere just fighting somebody, you know, to get open. And he was absolutely wide open. You know, that that play completely set the pace for the rest of the game. Uh, one more quick takeaway before I get to my defensive game ball. You know, to get the ball before halftime and not just run it, you know, three times and just say, hey, we'll punt it and go to the locker room. I thought, it, you know, it said a lot about the criticism they got through the last week to go down and try and score. Um, you know, it, I didn't get to see it, but it seemed like they did everything t- they could to try and, you know, blow it with penalties. But it was awesome to get that score. But on a defensive game ball, um, got to give it to Sky Moore, about to set, you know, the interceptions record at South Carolina. And in style, he goes with a pick six. Uh, I think that was the first of the defensive touchdowns. You know, it just terrifies Austin Allen. He went 12 for 24 for 84 yards. Uh, by far, it has to be his worst game at Arkansas. But he's had some crazy games at Arkansas as well, you know. He, he can definitely throw with the best of them in SEC. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I agree with you, Rod, just to touch on the point you made. Um, the drive right before halftime. It was funny the way that drive started out, though. Um, I'm not sure if you saw, Tyler. It started out with, I think, three or four consecutive runs. Um, and South Carolina fans were booing. And I even tweeted on our armchair South Carolina Twitter account, the Gamecocks are running the ball with a minute 58 left to go in the first half. This summarizes the South Carolina offense at this point in the season. They get the first down. I don't know why it took them getting the first down, but lo and behold, they start throwing the ball around, get down the field, and made me look stupid. So I appreciate that, Kurt Rupert. <laughs> there Thank we you. go. Thank you so much. Um, so, yeah, like I said, that's going to do it for the Arkansas recap side of things. Now, like we mentioned, we're going to be combining these two. We're going to talk about Tennessee, the Gamecocks, 4-2, and 2-2 two, two and two in the conference, take on the Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, who are 3-2, and 0-2 oh in the SEC, had a bye week this past week. Uh, the game is Saturday at Neyland Stadium in Knoxville, Tennessee, a noon kick on ESPN. Uh, the Vols actually opened this one, Tyler, favored by 2.5, um, over-under set at 48. Series history overall, Tennessee leads it 25-8-2. and two. Um, The last time they met, obviously last year, you were at the game, South Carolina, in a thrilling win, 24-21, beat Tennessee at home, which I think definitely ignited some of the Butch Jones hot seat talk, if you will, which really really sent Tennessee into a spiral last year. Uh, They lost to Vanderbilt, I think, after South Carolina. So, yeah, but anyways, um, South Carolina kind of gets a different beast this year. They travel to Knoxville, a place they've only won twice in their history. 2005, Steve Spurrier's first year, I know we all remember, and then 2011, which I know you said, Tyler, you were at that game. Connor Shaw's first game in Knoxville. And the Gamecocks won in pretty dominating fashion, too, if I remember correctly. so, as we mentioned, Tennessee is coached by Butch Jones, who, you know, I mentioned Tyler is for surely on the hot seat. Tennessee's last game, I don't recall the exact score, but it was like 42 or 48 and nothing. At home against Georgia, the worst home loss in Tennessee football history, I think, or I think since like 1905 or something like that. So, Tennessee is definitely reeling. Um, you look to the schedule at this point, they had a – you know, a pretty fairly decent win week one against Georgia Tech in overtime, which we don't really, you know, who knows how good Georgia Tech is. But 
you know, <clears throat> beat Indiana State in convincing fashion, lost to Florida on the Hail Mary that I'm sure we all saw, um, and then really struggled to beat UMass 17-13 at home. And then, like we said, lost 41 nothing to Georgia. So, Tyler, we said, my question to you is, how big of a game do you think this game is? Because me personally, I'm surprised Butch Jones is still the head coach of Tennessee right now. I thought he for sure would have been let go um, after the Georgia game. But how big of a game do you think this is for Butch Jones to remotely even have the possibility to keep his job in Knoxville? <laughs> I actually think you'll get fired if South Carolina wins this game. I think he should have got fired after the game two weeks ago. And Tennessee fans absolutely – want him gone there's there's nobody that likes butch jones he tweeted earlier i think this is one of the best bye weeks we've had since i've been here who says that <laughs> i saw that who <laughs> says that did, did you see the other thing that he said no oh oh no just keep going i'll fight right, but you know on a bye week you have your best offensive lineman get in a fight and get kicked in the face and have stitches you know first of all why are you getting in a fight in a bye week with your teammates? Second of all, how is it possible to get kicked in the face when you have a helmet on? It, it just blows my mind, you know, how how bad things are in Tennessee right now. Uh, it's definitely a game South Carolina could win, and they should win. And if they, if they don't, uh, it could, things could get weird. I agree. Yeah, it's it's going to be one of those games, like we mentioned. It's sort of like Arkansas. It's one of those games where it's a swing game that goes goes either way that – it's really going to set the tone for your season. What kind of season is, is it going to be? And we talked about that a little bit last week. Here's the quote, by the way, before I go any further. This this is just – this might be the most Butch Jones quote of all the Butch Jones quote. We've heard about the life champion stuff. This is his quote today, Butch, uh, and I quote, you don't have to get a physical rep to get a rep. You can get a leadership rep. Oh, my God. <laughs> the, most, the most cliche, the most Butch Jones-esque – thing you can ever I'm saying again you don't have to get a physical rep to get a rep you can get a leadership rep that's the worst thing I've ever heard it's just insanity it's it's and I think that's what you know that's obviously besides the fact that he's not winning um that's one of the huge things Tennessee fans are so sick of is you know his coach his cliche he's just made of cliches and it translates Uh, into nothing on the field Right, it's exactly. not like they feel that way out on the field. They they want to play, and, and then they play it, and they get you know their face beat in. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, they had the trash can to begin the season, the turnover trash can. <laughs> that was just a terrible idea that Twitter actually absolutely ate alive. It's funny that uh, every time I think of Butch Jones, I think of our CEO Andrew Stevens always tweets his weekly reminder that Butch Jones looks like a tomato face. So yeah, it's pretty hilarious. It's pretty hilarious. I mean, that's kind of all I think about now when I see him. Um, but anyways, getting back to the game, uh, obviously Tyler, like we mentioned, this is one of those games. It's a swing game. It's 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 a game that's really important to South Carolina season. You have the chance to go five and two, um, going to Knoxville. Kind of you know, even with Tennessee struggles, it's a place you haven't done. You know, you don't you haven't historically done well in. Um, it's a place you can go in and make a statement. You know, because obviously, you know, as I said earlier, before last week. Four and two is a lot better than three and three. Well, five and two is a lot better than four and three. So, um, you know, with that being said, I know South Carolina obviously beat Tennessee last year. Do you think there's any revenge factor for Tennessee playing into this game for last season? Do you think they're trying to get back at South Carolina for maybe ruining their season last year? Do you think that has anything to play with it at all? I think that has nothing to do with it whatsoever. I think that they have more of a revenge thing 
you know, about the Georgia game. You know, why would you care if you lost three points at, at, away at South Carolina last year when you just got beat by 40-something to Georgia, you know? The, you know, they have the Georgia loss. They have Butch Jones, you know, being on the hot seat to worry about. And number three, they're not very good at all. Uh, so that's three things that I, they'd probably be worrying about more than South Carolina. Yeah, and I loved your take in the preseason. And, like, you've kind of – you know, you've definitely stuck with it is that, you know, we were talking about the polls in the preseason and Tennessee, I think, was 24th. And you straight up said Tennessee's not a good football team they at all. They are good. They are not and good. they have reflected buddy, it on the field. They, they, they have fun. shown it. <laughs> they yes. have proved you right. And, I, I mean, I didn't think they were a good team either. Team – I don't know how they were ranked in the top it had, 25. They had so honest. many question marks, and they still do, you know. Yeah, <laughs> They exactly. have a quarterback, you know, they have a great recruit behind their starting quarterback, and they don't even give him a chance, really. Uh, <laughs> the starter throws a quarter – I mean, interception on the first play of the game at, against Georgia at home. That's awful. Uh, the defense hasn't looked very good. They completely butchered uh, coverage on a Hail Mary to lose a game <laughs> against Florida, and Florida is not very good at all either. They just lost to LSU. You know, it's one of those games where you have to take advantage, you know, of a team that's struggling instead of, you know, playing down away. You know, Neyland is such a tough place to play and it's such an awesome environment. But how much different is it than Texas A&M? You know, you just played there a couple weeks ago. I I think it's more than Texas A&M, but you kind of have a taste for it, you know, recently in your memory from a couple weeks ago. So... (laughs) I don't. I don't want to say the environment's going to have much to do with the game, but they they're going to have to find some some way to get over it. Yeah, I definitely think that uh, that trip to Texas A&M helps because, like you said, Neyland's definitely a different animal. But I I talked to a couple people last last week or this past weekend at the game South Carolina game that went to Kyle Field. I mean, they just they talked about how crazy of an environment, how huge and how loud it is. So um, I've obviously never been to Neyland or Kyle Field for that matter, but. Uh, I imagine, you know, it'll be right right there with it. Um, so I definitely think that trip helps. And I agree with you. That if if this game was, you know, this you know this uh, past weekend when, you know, Tennessee had just come off of the Georgia loss, you know, I may have been a little worried about the whole revenge factor and want to come out and play. But, you know, they've had to sit on that Georgia loss for over a week now. It'll be two weeks from this game. I'll tell you what, I think Saturday is going to show a lot of how much – how much do Tennessee Tennessee's players – you know, really care for Butch Jones or fight for Butch at, Jones. At this point, there's no way they, they care about Butch Jones. No, I, I don't know that. I don't think they're really good to begin with, but I think it's kind of one of those situations where if you're South Carolina, you can get Tennessee down and out early, they might quit. They really, even at home, because you know those fans are going to be booing, they're going to give be giving them hell. I mean, granted, if South Carolina has a decent lead at halftime, you might see some of them filing out. Um, yeah. So you, you can get Tennessee down and out early. They might quit on him, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, so we're going to move into some key matchups of the game. I'll start, Tyler. Uh, my first one, you know, we've been talking about him, obviously, uh, but I want to give him some more love and kind of just, you know, this this weekend I think will be a big matchup. Cornerback Rashad Fenton against Tennessee wide receiver Marquez Callaway. Callaway's been one of, uh, you know, Austin Normandy's, one of his uh, more favorite targets, if you will. I mean, he, he's a guy that can definitely go up, snag the football. Had a, he's had a couple of great catches that I've seen this year. Um so I think it'll be really interesting to see um, just how he does. And I, Rashad Fenton, obviously, in the lockdown to see, can he keep it up? Can he keep up that high level of play? Uh, I'm really interested to see, you know, how, how good – just just to continue to watch the progression of Rashad Fenton, as good as he's played all season. So 
Yeah, that would 100% be one of my uh, my matchups because if one thing's good about Tennessee, it's Marquez uh, Callaway. He's so quick. He he reminds me a lot, not just because he has dreads, but he reminds me of Cordero Patterson uh, from early 2010s at Tennessee. You know, one of those guys that could hit the jet sweep and be gone in a flash or catch a jump ball fade in the end zone for a touchdown. You know, he's so versatile, so quick. Uh, and it's probably just Fenton's best uh, receiver he's played so far this year. Agreed, um, yeah. But going into another one, um, you know, the, just the defensive line, you know, Wanham, Sawyer, uh, Keir Thomas, he gets in, you know, all of them against Quentin Dormady. Get pressure on him, and he will make, you know, worse decisions probably than Austin Allen made this week. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's, you know, funny, I'm actually reading a tidbit here from today with Butch Jones speaking to the media. Apparently, they're talking about they might not start Quentin Normandy. Um, oh, I'm sure that's something that the media is kind of flaming the fire of. But apparently they asked him today, would there be a change at quarterback? And he sort of, you know, gave the typical Butch Jones answer. You know, we'll still try to compete just like anyone else. See how this week of preparation goes. Um, obviously, Tennessee's a team that struggled mightily on offense. I fully would expect to see Quentin Normandy in there. But uh, that'll be really interesting to see as well. The other option would be Jarrett. Warrantano, who you said, you know, it was a highly sought after recruit. And yeah, I don't think he's that bad, you know. Yeah. But you know, if you start if you start your first game against South Carolina coming off three defensive tur- uh, yeah. touchdowns, probably your best game to start. So yeah, I yeah, expect Dormady to be in there hundred percent. Yeah, it could be a long day if they do that. And either way, it could be a long day for Dormady as well. Um, with that defensive front going after him. Uh, my second key matchup, linebacker T.J. Brunson against, I think, the second best or maybe the best player on Tennessee's offense, running back John Kelly. Um, Kelly is a guy that Tennessee has been scrutinized for not giving the football enough. Um, ran really well against Florida. Like I said, a lot of people didn't think he got it enough, but I think he's a guy who's really physical. He's a guy that can get loose, and you know, T.J. Brunson is going to have to continue what he's done, be physical at the point of attack, wrap up, be a sure tackler, and, you know, he showed an act. Obviously, picked the football up, forced turnovers as well. So, <clears throat> I think that'll be a big matchup inside the matchup to watch as well as South Carolina tries to slow down the, uh, do the same thing they kind of did to Arkansas, stop the running game. Um, you know, I don't know who who's going to be guarding Brian Edwards, but whoever's guarding Brian Edwards, uh, that's probably going to be the, one of the biggest matchups of the game. Because Brian Edwards, you know, away games, it seems like, you know, in a close game, the playmaker always goes up and makes a catch. You know to either get a first down to seal a game or a late touchdown. And uh, if you if you remember from the tragic uh, 2013 game against Tennessee, that one-handed catch down the sideline, I don't know who made that catch. I can't remember. But that one-handed catch, like that. absolutely insane, and then kicked the field goal to win. You know, games like that, you know, I feel like Brian Edwards is the, is the playmaker, you know, to put a game away. Yeah, well, he's without a doubt the go-to guy without Debo Samuel in there. He is the kind of guy that just has the knack for the big play. Um, the last matchup I have really quickly was left tackle Dennis Daly against linebacker uh, Colton Jumper. Jumper actually, probably not a guy you've heard much about, but actually leads their team in sacks with four and a half. He's a guy they like to get after the quarterback. He's had a sack in every game this season. And just after watching um, you know, South Carolina struggle against Texas a obviously did a much better job against Arkansas, but – It'll just be key again for that offensive line to open up holes, keep Jake Bentley upright, and um, <clears throat> you know give this offense a chance to move. So um, I, I think it'll be imperative again that the offensive line improves. However, if Zach Bailey, that is a, uh, I guess a tentative match, if you will, because if Zach Bailey is able to go, you'll have Malik Young, I'm sure, slide back to left tackle. So really, whoever's playing the two tackle positions, 
Uh, I think Tennessee's going to try to bring a lot of pressure Saturday, and Colt Jumper, like I said, leads the way with that. So it, it'll be key just to, you know, to keep this offense going, to keep Jake Bentley on his feet. Yeah, I, think, I agree 100%. Uh, I don't really have another matchup because I don't know much about Tennessee's defense. Uh, yeah, I think – I will say, I, I, yeah, I, I think, you know, you were talking about Brian Edwards. I, I think Hayden Hurst could have another big game. I, I just think he's kind of a guy he, – he's sort of the equalizer. Um, when it comes to opposing defenses. And, you know, you, you hate to see – I'm not sure – you know, I'm sure you saw this week, Casey Crosby's actually out for the year, um, you know, with a uh, the same type of injury Debo had, uh, broken broken leg, if you will. We'll call it that. But, um, you know, they've been using Hayden Hurst, Jacob August. It'll, I guess it'll now be Keel Pollard will get in there some, some as well. Um, Evan Henson even saw game action against Arkansas. But – you know, he's a it, freak athlete, by the way. He is. He's huge. Yeah, yeah. He, he's a guy that I think is going to be a lot better than some people think. But um, yeah, I, I think Hayden Hurst have a really big day at the tight end position as well. Um, I think he's Georgia, been one of those guys that transcends, you know, the big game. He doesn't care. He just goes out there right. with that kind of Rob Gronkowski mentality. You know, just fight people. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Isaac Nada for Georgia was a guy that was able to have a big game. He's another, you know, comparable tight end to Hurst. So I, I would not be surprised to see to see Hayden Hurst have another really impressive game. Uh, so we'll move into the keys of the game. Tyler, I'll start with this. You know, I, I think this is going to be – until South Carolina really, really does it for me, it's going to be a key to the game every week, and it's start fast. You know, hush the crowd. Like you said, they're going to be playing in front of a packed house. You know Tennessee. I think Tennessee – Fans, I think, at least will come with somewhat of a revenge factor on their minds against South Carolina. Uh, I think they're going to show up and show out, and probably I'd be surprised if it wasn't a packed stadium. I know they're having problems and they want Butch Jones gone, but I'd be pretty surprised if it wasn't a packed house. So I I think it's it's imperative for South Carolina to get off to an early start, whether that be going down the field and and touchdown, not having to kick a field goal. (laughs) Yes, please. Or or getting a quick stop on defense with a three and out you know or just a stop and getting the ball back so I think it'll be very imperative for them to get off a quick start you know on the road in the SEC and uh, kind of take over take control of the game yeah I think starting fast is equally important you know starting fast on the ground uh, you know get the running game going early so they have to account for it you know the play action as we saw at A&M isn't worth a damn if you if you aren't running the ball at all you know so being able, we we obviously saw you know the effect it had, you know, on the Arkansas defense. You know, when there's any type of running game whatsoever to start the game, Jake Bentley could get in those play actions, and there's somebody open. You know, it's it's crazy how that works. If you run the ball, they have to account for it. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, and like we're saying, you know, obviously South Carolina is not Georgia, but Georgia was able to have huge success with <clears throat> Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle and uh, their other. Uh, you know, their other uh, running backs as well. So, you know, I think if you can get guys like Rico Dowdle, Tyson Williams, get those guys going, I mean, obviously it's only going to help this offense. And we were able to see what this offense was able to do working off a of play action when you had a running game. And obviously it was extremely impressive. So, um, yeah, I think I agree with you. I think that's imperative. If you can go out there and put a drive together, it's like five or six minutes. Really just take – I mean, that, that those kind of drives really just, you know, eat at a crowd and kind of take you out. I mean, really take them out of it. So, um my second key to the game, again, more wrinkles on offense. Continue it, you know. I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here after one one impressive play con performance and say that everything is fixed because I thought, you know, after NC State, Missouri, that everything I, – I couldn't have imagined what was going to happen 
games with the offensive play calling and kind of the the predictability, if you will. So I think Kurt Roper has to continue, this staff has to continue to work to develop a game plan in which they can get creative, keep Tennessee off balance, you know, maybe use their aggression against them if they're bringing the blitz. Um, so it, it's going to be really, I'm again intrigued to see how Kurt Roper, you know, handles the success from the Arkansas game and what kind of, uh, what he brings from that into the Tennessee game and maybe what new wrinkles he installs, they install this week. Yeah. Um, second uh, key for me, play a complete game on special teams. <laughs> this game is 100%. You're going to have to kick a field goal at some point. And it's going to be the, you know, the toughest field goal that Parker White ever makes even harder than a game winner against Louisiana tech. You, you have to make a field goal and to go along with it, control field position by good punts. We, we've seen nothing but good things from Joseph Charlton, you know, and I, I want to see it, uh, a complete special teams effort, you know, with making field goals, you know, kicking touchbacks. Parker White does a fantastic job, uh, you know, kicking on kickoffs. He has, I think he's 21 for, you know, 20-something just for touchbacks. That's huge. And it's play a complete game and uh, control field position with your special teams. I completely agree with you. I, I'll ask you this, kind of piggybacking off that. Is it to the point now where South Carolina can't attempt a field goal outside of 40 yards? I mean, are, are they to the point where you can't what, – what do you think the limit is with this? I mean, do you think that if it's 40 or longer, maybe 45 or longer, you just have to go for it on fourth down or even think about pooch punting? Because to me, you know, and I said this Saturday during the game, it's getting to the point where it's a wasted play and a wasted down, and it's just – a wasted opportunity. I mean, if you have a fourth and three, it's, it, it just kind of at this point makes more sense to go for it until your guys – I mean, you want to believe in your guys and you think, you know, you we, we know they have big legs and we know that, you know, that they can make them from time to time. But, I mean, until they can do it consistently, I, I just don't know that it's really worth the risk. Yeah, I think inside 45 you have to kick a field goal. I mean, he's an SEC kicker. He's going to have to do it at some point. Um, just kick it inside of 45. He, it's not like he can't kick it that far. You know, it's just, you know, I heard today, um, I guess it was what Muschamp said after the game or in one of his post-game shows with Todd Ellis. You know, he said all of them aren't on Parker White. A lot of them are on snaps and holds. Um, I don't know how true that is. I'm not a special teams guru. Um, but if that's true, I mean, heck. I will, I will say in Parker White's defense, the first field goal that he missed, it was a low snap. Now that the – the holder was able to dig it out, but it, it without a doubt threw off the timing because the kick wasn't even close. Yeah, so, that kick was awful. Yeah, it's you know it's a thing where I guess you know South County you can look at it. And it's like you said, it's not just losing Elliott Fry; it's losing your long snapper, it's losing your holder. It's a it's a completely different unit. So, but it, it's just like you say, you know, every week it's you know not every game is going to be forty eight twenty two, and not every game you're going to get three defensive touchdowns. So, it's a little scary to kind of rely on. You know, I think it's a situation where I'm pretty confident 35 or in, he's going to make it. We get to 35 to 40, I'm like, uh, we get to 40 to 45, I'm, I'm sweating. Yeah. 45 or more, I don't think you even kick it at this point for sure. So I, I agree with you. I mean, yeah, I'd like to stick to less than 40. But like you said, if it's a 41 or 42 yarder, you sort of have to kick it. Like you have to, you got to believe the guy eventually is going to snap out of it. But, I feel like I've been saying that for three weeks now, yeah. so we'll see. Um, and then my final key to the game, hey, bring the swagger on defense. Continue to play with confidence, build off the game you just had against Arkansas, and you're playing a, a Tennessee offense that's struggled mightily. 
you know, a Tennessee team that's wounded, a Tennessee team that is mentally scarred is how how motivated are they to play to Butch for, to play for Butch Jones? Put the nail in the coffin, and, and you could say bring the swagger for really both sides of the of the field, but just from the way the defense played, you know, don't you know just just come after Tennessee. I, I mean, honestly, get 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 you know be in their face all day long, make life hell for Quentin Normandy, you know, plug the running lanes like you did against Arkansas, and, and just show that swagger again. And, and I think it'll it'll. It, it'll go a ways in this game to, to, to determining, you know, the final uh, the final say in the game for sure. So just bring that swagger and, you know, be ready to play on Saturday. All right, my last one is, is Jake Bentley. Every single game it seems like, you know, he gets started out and he can't make, you know, a decent throw on the first couple of drives. You know, I think he, start, he didn't start out very well against Arkansas at all. Um, and then you get that one big play and he's good to go the rest of the game. You know, I think you have to set up some easy throws or some check downs, something on that first drive, especially, you know, Will Muschamp loves to take the ball to start out games, whether they're on the road or at home. You know, you have to, you know, incorporate some easy throws for him to get into a rhythm. Once he's in a rhythm, he's fine. You know, he's proved that time and time and again. But getting into that rhythm is the is the problem we've seen. I agree with you. It's kind of like that that guy, he has that that one throw that kind of gets him going. You know, that one throw that he hits that it's all right, here, all right, here we go. Now we're in the flow of the game. I agree with you. I, I don't think they've really done that at this point, but giving him some easy completions and kind of getting him in the flow of the game I think would definitely be beneficial for him. Um, so with that being said, we're going to move to our predictions for the game Saturday. Oh, no. Talking about the Tennessee game, noon kickoff, like we mentioned on ESPN, Tyler. Uh, Gamecocks have a chance to go to five and two. I'll let you start. What do you think is going to happen? I haven't even thought about a prediction yet. Oh man, I'm going to go South Carolina, and I hate to predict this because I've probably been wrong every single game. I'm going South Carolina 28, Tennessee 17. Nice, I like it. Yeah, I, I definitely think you know South Carolina coming off that Arkansas game. It just the momentum is completely done a 180. Um, and South Carolina goes to a place again where they've they've had some problems, you know, in the Muschamp era on the road. Obviously, they won at Missouri on the neutral site against NC State, um, you know, but lost at Texas A&M. They go to another really big hostile environment at Neyland. Um, and I think Tennessee's fans will show out. However, I, I think at this point, South Carolina just is playing with much more momentum and is just a better team right now. I don't know how – I don't know how motivated – Tennessee is going to be to play this football game. I think Butch Jones, obviously, we know he's coaching for his job, his little job he has left. I'm not sure that a win over South Carolina does anything for him at this point, but I think South Carolina comes into Neyland, gets a very, very much needed, very, very big win. Um, I'm going to go with the score. I haven't really had a chance to think of it. I'm going to say South Carolina. I might go a little bit low, lower scoring here. I'm going to say South Carolina 24, Tennessee 13 for the final score. I think it'll be a little bit more of a, you know, I think South Carolina's going to kind of try to push the envelope running the football. I don't think they'll have the defensive scores that they had last week um, and probably in the second half. If South Carolina gets up like something, you know, 21 to 10, if you will, I do think that they'll probably try to run it, run it a decent amount, try to just get away with the uh, – you know, the win on the road. But, you know, would definitely love to see the offensive performance uh, outperform my prediction. But I, I think I think it'll be somewhere around that. So, uh, it'll be really interesting to see, though. It's a huge game. Obviously, South Carolina, the opportunity to go to 5-2, and two, which will be one game away from bowl eligibility. Um, 
you know, so it'll be really, really fun to watch. And, you know, we'll obviously all be tuned in. Um, so again, with that being said, we're going to move, I guess we can do a little bit of a post show, Tyler. Like we just said, we just saw the Florida alternate uniforms of the weekend, pretty atrocious. They're playing Texas A&M this weekend. If you haven't seen them, go look at them. They are pretty, uh, it's a sight. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the gator skin uniforms, if you will. I cut out there for a second, but I'm back in just in time for Florida. <laughs> Those uniforms are a train wreck except for the helmets, which I really like for some reason. The helmets are nice. I like those. But um, I think Texas A&M wins big. Also, my – I think Garnet Black Garnet – or excuse me, Black Garnet Black might be becoming my favorite uniform combo. 2-0, and o, baby. Yeah, not not bad. And it looks good. It actually looks really, really good. So, Shout out to whoever it is that under the Battle Armor tweets on Friday afternoons has the, has the chart with each uniform combo and their record underneath it. Whoever did that is freaking brilliant, and that's absolutely an awesome use of her. Yeah, that guy's great. That guy's great for sure. It'll be interesting to see what they wear this weekend. I'm thinking I'd like to go back to black, white, black. Those look so clean, but I don't know. We'll see. Have we, we gone Stormtrooper yet this year? We haven't gone Stormtrooper yet. That's a very good point. Oh, I've not have gone Stormtrooper. Stormtrooper yet. I would like to see Stormtrooper as well. It's got to be. Um, yeah, it was a really interesting weekend in the SEC. Um LSU beat Florida in a game that I wish I got to watch, but man, I didn't get I to didn't, watch any game all weekend. It was I did not game. see that coming. Um, was wow. it on a missed extra point? So apparently, Florida missed an extra point earlier in the game. Um, it come, it came back to haunt them. You know, oh, like it, always, yeah, you it came back to haunt them. But man, LSU a week <laughs> after losing in Troy, and just insane, um, just crazy. So, you know, Florida, I think, sort of exposed who they really are. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting. I saw some crazy stat. It was like when the other team scores, I think, like 17 or more, or maybe I think it was 17 or more, Butch Jones is like 5 and 10 in those games. Oh, my Lord. Like 4 and 10 or something. Like they're is really most him undefeated against Tennessee in his career, too. He is. He actually is. He's never lost. Yeah, never cool. lost to Butch Jones either. So. Be very. It'll be very, very interesting. I also um, just saw a tweet. There's a trend in Tennessee away games where it goes win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. And we're currently coming off a loss at Neyland. And if you believe in superstition like I do, guaranteed win. I will be there as well, by the way. Oh, you'll be in Knoxville? Making a trip to Knoxville wow, for the first that'll time be awesome. in six years. It's going to be that, awesome. I am very, very envious of you, sir. Yeah, it's going to uh, be fun. Yeah, I would love that. Um also, let's all be big Syracuse fans Friday night. They take on the uh, the boys from the upstate on Friday. So I'm at the point where I don't think not, not much hope there. Yeah, but. I don't think Clemson's going to lose the game this year. <laughs> no. They, they have a little interesting uh, situation going on. There. It looks like Kelly Bryant might um, might not play Friday. He had a little ankle injury Saturday. I did see that. I was watching um, – I was watching – where was I watching that? San Jose maybe? Right. Something like that. We were drinking and watching uh watching football. We were watching the early part of the Florida game and they're just atrocious too. Um but yeah, Clemson is really good. And do you see any scenario national championships not Clemson and Alabama? I don't any I mean scenario? I thought maybe Oklahoma was gonna do something. They lose <laughs> Iowa. Nope, uh I don't think people can say what they want. I, I don't think Penn State's that good. I mean, no. I, I don't know. I just really don't think they're that good. Um, yeah, it's it really like, is. 
a couple of weeks ago, USC could have been in the conversation, and they go and lose to Washington State. And what was a great game, I might add. Yeah, it was. Um, how, by the way, we didn't get to talk about this. How impressive is South Carolina's win over NC State looking right about now? It's looking pretty good. I hate doing this because, you know, it happened a couple of years ago. North Carolina was super good, and we were three and nine. Well, we already got four wins. So. There we go. Yeah, I guess I guess yeah. I'm talking about. It. <laughs> I didn't get to watch them play Louisville. Did they just you know take control the game completely? I didn't get to watch a ton of it either, but they were pretty much in control the entire game. It, it's, I mean, Louisville's pretty much the point where it's just Lamar Jackson by himself trying to make plays. I mean, they they don't have anybody else. And God, it makes you think: what if Lamar Jackson was like a Florida State? I mean, good God. <laughs> Yeah. Or a, t- a good team, for that matter. I- I'm hoping that uh, our guy to carry on Joiner could maybe be the next, uh, the next Lamar Jackson. Maybe I- I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's pretty... putting some lofty expectations that, that is... guy still in high school. Yeah, let's hope he even just plays quarterback at all. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. If he no, plays no. in a state championship, by the way, at Williams Bryce, are they? Is it at Williams Bryce this year? Or is it? Is it every year at Williams Bryce? Yeah, yeah, it should be at Williams Bryce. Yes, I will absolutely go watch that kid because you know they put up 70 points every week. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about him. So I, I, and they smoke Dutch Fork, who's insane. And uh, the, the the place I coach baseball at, they play uh, Dutch Fork at Dutch Fork this Friday. And uh, that should be interesting. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, yeah, with that being said, again, um, you can find us on iTunes at the Spurs Up Show. Like we said, we kind of changed the show up this week and probably will do so going forward. Let us know what you think about it. Um, go to iTunes, leave us a review, tell us you like, tell us you don't like. If you like this format, let us know. If you hate it, hey, tell us. We want to hear the feedback. Um, also, be sure to follow us on our Twitter account at Armchair S Car. We'll be on Instagram at Armchair S Carolina. Um, Obviously, on armchairallamericans.com. Check out the show and all of the Gamecocks coverage there. Um, and also, again, it's obviously at Neyland this week, so no videos this week. But continue to send in those game day videos. We really appreciate uh, seeing the Gamecock, the Gamecock spirit from game day. But with that being said, again, Tyler, any last words, any last things you want to say before uh, you know you make the trip up to Knoxville? No, but I'll be tweeting a lot from Knoxville. Can't wait. Awesome. Well, we'll be looking forward to it again. As always, he's Tyler Clark. I'm Chris Phillips. This is another edition of the Spurs Up Show. We appreciate you guys listening. We'll catch you next time.